0: So we are tonight, we're, gonna, we're finishing up a series that we've been in called Old School, all right? And uh, some of you guys showed up in your 80s gear, which is good. Some of you didn't because you did last week, and then you thought, there's no way I'm doing this twice. Uh, I'm too, uh, too stupid to do that, so I showed up both weeks with, uh, with these things. Uh, so we're in this series called Old School, and this is what we've, we've been doing. We've been trying to kind of talk through these aspects of our faith things that we sometimes devalue, or we've just felt like they don't have any relevance to our lives. And looking at those things, and the, the definition of old school is something from an earlier era that is treated with high regard or high respect. And so what we've been trying to do over the course of the series is come back around to those things that maybe we've thought didn't really have much value to our lives, and hopefully bringing us along to help us understand that man, these things have incredible relevance to who we are in Christ, to who God's called us to be, to living out this life that God has for us. Now, tonight, as we finish the series, we're going to be talking about something that I believe should be life-giving. It should be something that radically changes the way we live, not just most days, not just some days, but every single day that we're alive. That this has the power to do that. This is what should happen in our lives if we claim to love Jesus. And yet for some of us, maybe most days, we don't give it a second thought. So 13 years ago, a little over 13 years ago, I stood on a church stage and I stared at the back of the room and I watched as this beautiful girl came walking in the back doors and down the aisle, and up on the stage, and was a part of a ceremony where she pledged her commitment, and her vows, and her life to me, all right, and I did the same thing for her, and it was so amazing, so sweet, and, um, and it was one of those things that everything, in, from that moment on, everything changed, right, gone were the bachelor days, I was no longer this single guy, it was no longer about me, it was about us, And now, this was a journey that we were going to be on together. And now, every morning, I wake up and roll over, and there she is. She's next to me. Or I come home from work, and there she is. Or we go out and we hang out together, or we do dates together. Or this is, we, (laughs) oh, please stop. (laughs) This has become a marriage covenant where now the two of us are living life together. And it's changed everything. Now on three separate occasions, I've stood in a hospital room and I've witnessed the miracle of childbirth and I've sobbed like a little child as I've held my three kids in my arms for the first time and stared at them and smelled them and kissed on them and looked into their eyes and messed around with their little tiny fingernails and and all of those kind of things. And and stared in awe to think that this is mine. This is my child. These These are my kids. And since those moments, it's only gotten better. It's only gotten more incredible. More crazy, a lot of days, but more incredible. And I've watched as these, what were once little babies that I held in my arms, have now developed personalities. And now, you're watching their sense of humor and their sense of mischief. And watching them and the, the way that they have passion for life and the different things that they enjoy. And it's been one of those really incredible things. And on that day where I stood and watched my wife walk into the, the room and we committed our lives to each other. And on those three days where I held my kids in arms, those were four events, four moments that changed everything about who I am. They changed everything. And now every decision that I make, or most decisions that I make, or most of the things that I think about, or most of the actions that I take, or most of the words that I say, most of the time that I spend involves those four people because they're a part of my life. And I could, if I wanted to, could choose to wake up some days, and even though those moments are significant, even though these people are part of my life and have changed every part of who I am, I could wake up some days and, and ignore the fact that I am married, all right, or ignore the fact that I've got three kids, and I could choose to just say, you know what, I'm going I'm to do my own thing, I'm going to live my life the way that I want, I'm going to please myself, and choose to ignore those significant moments that happened in my life that have shaped who I am. And in the process, what I would be doing, even though I have the opportunity to do that, would be to ignore some of the greatest moments that I've ever experienced in my life. Now, if, if you and I claim that we are followers of Jesus, if we claim that we've put our faith and trust in him, we're Christians, we've received the forgiveness that Jesus offers, there is something that has happened to us. There is an event, there is a moment that has taken place that is significant, that transforms every part of who we are. It's not something that just transformed us in one moment and then has no relevance to us. But it is something that hopefully is transforming every part of who we are, and it's something that is transforming us each and every single day. And what I'm talking about is the gospel. Now, for maybe some of you guys that have no church background, you've walked into the room tonight, have no idea what that is. Maybe some of us that grew up in church, we we hear that phrase. So I want to kind of simplify it. When we're talking about the gospel tonight, what do we we mean? What are we talking about? What's the definition of the gospel? Here it is. The gospel is the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus on our behalf. All right? You want to write that down? It is the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus on our behalf. All right? That's what we're talking about when we talk about the gospel. Now, many of us hear that word, the gospel, or those words, the gospel. And we know, we immediately think of, maybe because we've, we grew up in church or we've got enough religious background or we just live in the Bible belt, and so this is just stuff that we know. We immediately think of Jesus on a cross. All right? We go back to... Maybe we think, even for if we're followers of Jesus, we think of that moment when we were a little kid or we think of that moment at rush camp or we think of maybe that moment that happened in here or at home with our mom or our dad where we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And we think back to that moment, but that's all that it is for a lot of us. It's a moment. It's a one-time event. We think about it sometimes when we're you know, when we're in an Easter service or when we're singing about it and there's that melody that really catches us and we really love the song, there are those moments that sometimes we go back to that and we think about the cross. But the danger for us, if we have a relationship with Jesus or we have an understanding of the cross, the danger for us is that the cross becomes just a one-time event that we look back on and we Remember? But if we're honest, in terms of the impact on a day-to-day basis, it really has little to no impact. It may hit us at certain moments. It may be something that we reflect back to when, uh, when, when the mood hits us right or when we're you know, celebrating Easter or, or those kind of things. But in terms of day-to-day, if a lot of us, I think, we're honest tonight, we would say, you know, I don't really think about that all that much. And definitely not on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change the way that I live my life. And what what I want to attempt to do tonight through God speaking through me is to rock us from that mindset. If maybe that's kind of the irrelevance that we look at the gospel with, that God would shake that from our our heart and our mind and our soul tonight. Now, in in John chapter 9... We read about this blind beggar who has a moment, is about to have a moment with Jesus, All right, an encounter, an event is about to take place. Now, what we're going to do over the next few minutes is kind of look at this particular passage, and, and what I want to attempt to do is talk about how this particular story ties into the impact that the gospel has to, on us and for us and in us every single day, all right? So that's what we're going to do. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to John chapter 9, and we're going to park there for, for a little bit. Here's what it says, starting in verse 1. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had, been, who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And we'll come back to that. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in this world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, he made mud with the saliva, and he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Gross. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and he washed, and he came back seen. So Jesus sees this blind guy by the side of the road. He spits on the the ground, makes some mud, wipes it on his eyes, tells this blind guy, hey, go to this pool and wash yourself. The blind guy does it, and all of a sudden he can see. And if we were to continue through that chapter, I mean, all, you know, all heck breaks loose, all right? Things start getting a little bit crazy. He starts going in naturally because this guy has been blind his whole life, so he starts going and he's celebrating and I can see and he's doing all kinds of backflips and whatever else he's doing. And all these people who know this blind guy are seeing the fact that he's now walking around and he's not bumping into stuff. And then the Pharisees catch wind and they get ticked off because they realize it's the Sabbath and nothing should happen on the Sabbath. And Jesus is the one that healed him and we already want to take down Jesus. And so it stirs up this controversy. But it started because Jesus saw a blind guy on the side of the road and he spit into his eyes and he brought sight to his eyes. Now there's three things that I want to tie in this story with how the gospel impacts us on a a daily basis. All right? So if you're tracking with me, if you want to take notes, here's the first thing. Three things that the gospel means. Number one, the gospel means that I couldn't, but Jesus did. All right? I couldn't, but Jesus did. So imagine, go back to the story. Imagine this blind guy sitting there, all right? The story tells us that he's been blind since birth. So, we don't know how old he is, but there's a chance that he's probably been sitting in that same spot by that same road for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, who knows how long. But he's been sitting there for a long time, and there's been people, in a lot of cases the same people walking by him every single day, and they know him, and they see him, and they recognize him, and probably in his mind. He's sitting by that road and he's thinking and he's wishing, man, if somebody would walk down this road and do something so that I could see. Man, if somebody would show up and do something. Man, if, if I could do anything. And I almost think that he's, he's got to be dreaming of that day. What has it got to look like for, for me to have sight to see? What must it look like for me not to just use my hearing and to hear people walk by? But man, dreaming of that day, what if I could see? And yet day after day passes, the same people walk by, and the blind guy sits with the same condition. And nothing changes for this man until Jesus shows up. What other people that passed by couldn't do What that man couldn't do for himself, Jesus stepped into his world and he did that that thing that he wanted probably more than anything else. As it pertains to us, the gospel means that I couldn't, but Jesus did. Look at what Romans 5 verse 6 says. Paul says, When you and I, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. At just the right time. I, uh, I went to the, um, the eye doctor appointment this morning, and, um, and I, I'm just, I'm pathetically blind, all right? Um, it's, it's embarrassing. So I'm a negative six in both right and left eye, all right? And the gasps that you hear means that you guys know how terrible that is. So most people, I say that to you and they're like, wow, I'm like a .5, or I'm a 1. I barely need glasses at all. And I'm like, shut up. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a negative 6 in both eyes almost. All right? And it is ridiculous that I, I've got to have contacts. If I wear glasses, you know, the lenses are super thick. It's, it's embarrassing. I don't even qualify for traditional LASIK. All right? So let's just take a moment and, and pity me in my life. If I were to take my, my contacts out of my eyes, I would be stumbling all around, all right? It's a bad thing when I don't have full sight, all right? Case in point, point. and I debated whether or not to tell the story, but here we go. So a couple years ago, we, um, Angie and I took the kids to the pool, and we went with a couple friends, uh, a married couple friends of ours, and so we're hanging out. Kids are splashing, all that kind of stuff. Well, when I go to the pool, and I don't know if some of you guys are were contacts, if I didn't have contacts at all, you know, I'd, I'd fall into the pool. So I wear my contacts, but obviously I can't open my eyes underwater or they would come out. So I just, if I go underwater, I'm just doing this number, you know. So here I am. I'm standing on the edge of the pool, and I look out in the middle of the pool, and I see my wife. And so I think, all right, I'm going to dive towards her, and I'm just going to grab her, all right, by the legs, all right. So, so I kind of line up. All right, there she is. And and then I just go for it. And I dive in. And as soon as I get under, I'm like, you know, trying to search around the general direction of where I think she is. And I get over to her, and I grab what I think are her legs. And immediately, it just just doesn't, something's not right. Like, I know what my wife's legs feel like. And these aren't my wife's legs. And so it's weird enough, you know, imagine this as, as it is weird in this moment right now. I'm, I have no idea what has happened, but it's weird enough that I immediately let go, and I come to the surface of the water, and I'm doing this number, and I open my eyes, and I have, I have grabbed my wife's, uh, our, our married couple, the lady's legs, and she is horrified and ghost white, and I'm embarrassed for myself and for her and everybody else in the pool, and my wife is embarrassed for both of us, and it's this awkward situation where I'm like, I'm sorry, I meant to grab my wife's legs over here, and I grabbed yours, and and I'm so sorry. And now it's one of those moments we look back on and it's kind of funny. But in that moment, it was an awkward situation. All right? And when, when I don't have full sight, it's a, dangerous, it's a dangerous situation. All right? Just watch out. When I, have, when I don't have my contacts in but my eyes are open, all right, it is a blurry mess. And I can get all, into all kinds of trouble. But here's the thing. In all reality, I could survive in those situations. All right, with my vision being blurry and that kind of thing, I mean, I could I could get around. I wouldn't get behind the wheel of a car, but you know, I could stumble around enough. Every you guys would be all blurry, but I would see. You know, if, if I was going to hit a wall, I would at least see that I'm about to hit a wall. I could kind of see the light and general direction of where I'm supposed to head. Like I could survive. I could make do. And I think that there are some of us sometimes that we treat our relationship or we treat Jesus in general like that. We feel like we could get by. We feel like we could do okay without him. We feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm bad. Like I'm guilty, I do some bad things, but I'm, I'm, I'm really not that bad. I mean, I, I, I can survive, I'm all right. It's not all of that big of a deal. And what we've got to understand for all of us in the room tonight, is that we don't just have blurry vision. We have no vision. It's not that we, you and I, when we're born, in, from a spiritual standpoint, that we can see part, we can see some things. What the Bible says is that we can see nothing. See, you and I, and how it relates to this story, is you and I are that guy sitting by the road. Whether we want to admit it or not, all of us, When we're born into this world, we sit by that road from a spiritual standpoint, and we are blind. And there's nothing that we can do to fix it. There's nothing that we can do about it. And what the gospel means for us is that Jesus stepped in, and when we couldn't, Jesus did. Here's the second thing it means. The gospel means that I'm unworthy, but Jesus makes me worthy. I'm unworthy, but Jesus makes me worthy. Now, again, go back to the story. Was there anything that this man did that made him worthy of Jesus showing up in his life? Was there anything that this man did that made him worthy of Jesus stopping and then Jesus healing? Was there anything that he had done? I mean, Jesus didn't see him in the temple. He wasn't praying. He wasn't doing these religious activities. Like, there was nothing about This blind man that said, you deserve for Jesus to show up to even give you the time of day to stop, much less to heal you, to give you the one thing that you need the most. But see, Jesus didn't just see a blind beggar. Jesus saw someone of value and of worth. Jesus saw someone that he was willing to heal and to make worthy of sight. I think there are some of us in the room tonight that maybe you feel like for whatever reason because someone has communicated that to you, or maybe just because you've communicated that to yourself, that you've walked in tonight and you feel like you are someone of little value or little worth. And maybe the one thing that you need to hear tonight is that God loves you and God sees you with incredible value and incredible worth. And it's not because of anything you've done. It's not because of the fact that you showed up at church or didn't show up at a church. It's not because you do what's right or you try to do what's right or you care about certain things. Jesus simply looks at you for who you are and all of your junk and all of the stuff in your life. And he looks at you and he sees a person of value and of worth. And there's nothing that you've done to earn it. He simply sees you that way. And he sees you worthy of receiving sight. And Jesus steps into our unworthiness and he makes us worthy. Listen to what Colossians 1, and 22 says. It says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are now holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Are you guys catching what this is saying right now? You and I, spiritually speaking are unworthy. We've done nothing to deserve God's love or God's forgiveness. We've done nothing to earn God's God's favor in giving us sight. In fact, if anything, we are completely undeserving of it. Like, we are the farthest thing. This actually says that we were enemies of God. We were enemies of God. We despised him. We were completely the furthest thing from being worthy on the face of the earth. And Jesus stepped in, and through Jesus' death and resurrection, he brought us into his presence, and he made us holy and blameless and worthy in his sight. And do you guys get that? We talk about, man, does this really matter to me? Does this really have any impact on my life? And do you realize that God not only looked at us and he saw value, but he brought us into his presence, and through Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross, and in that empty tomb, he made us worthy of his love and his forgiveness. Here's the third thing. The gospel means I died to myself, but Jesus lives through me. This is what Galatians 2.20 says. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. All right, there it is again. It goes back to the cross. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But it is Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. At the very beginning of this story, before Jesus had even healed this man, he looks at him and he says, This happened. In other words, this guy is blind, so that the power of God could be seen in him. Now let me ask you something about this story. Do you think that there was ever a day, ever a moment in this guy's life for the rest of his life, do you ever think that there was a moment where he forgot the fact that he could see? Do you think he ever got over that? Do you think he ever reached a point where he was just like, yeah, you know what, I can see today, oh, I forgot all about that thing that Jesus did for me a few years ago. And I forgot the fact that Jesus showed up and and he healed me. I mean, this wasn't just making blurry vision a little less blurry. This was, I'm completely dark. I can't see a single thing. And now, all of a sudden, I can see life. Like, there's been a completely different sense that's been added to my life. Like, this isn't just a partial change. This is radical life transformation. And now because of what Jesus has done in this guy's life, the power of God is on display through him every single time he walked the streets. Everywhere this guy went, other people were going, hey, there's the guy. Remember that blind beggar that was sitting by the road? There he is. And remember how he used to beg? Remember how pathetic he looked on the side of the road? Remember how he used to scream and cry out for us as we were walking by to come along and help him? And now look at him. He's running around. Man, what a significant moment that took place. For that guy, I mean, I had to believe that that he's skipping around, that he's, I mean, everything has changed for this guy. I don't think this is something that he ever got over for the rest of his life. I don't think he looked back and was like, oh, yeah, man, that was kind of cool, but, man, I've forgotten all about what Jesus did for me. No, he woke up every single day reminding himself with that reality as he opened his eyes that I can see, and Jesus showed up. Jesus made it possible. Man, I wonder the sad thing for so many of us is that we go days or weeks or months without asking that question or, or saying, man, remember when I used to be blind? And remember when I couldn't see a single thing? And remember from a spiritual standpoint when I was dead and lost in my sins and the world was dark and I had no idea what life really meant. And we've forgotten all about what Jesus has done for us. We don't live in that reality every single day. It's something that we're reminded When we hit an emotional moment in our life or when we're in a church service, there are those moments. But we don't wake up every single day blown away and remembering the fact, man, remember when I was blind? And God, Jesus, you've changed everything for me. You haven't just made my life a little bit better, you have done for me what I could never do myself. You've given me the ability to see. And for the rest of this guy's life, what do you think was the central piece, the most important thing about him? What do you think mattered to him more than anything else? What do you think? His vision. Or Jesus. And what do you think he cherished more than anything else? It might have been a long time before he reached that moment where he said, Man, I'm gonna get caught up in other things. I Man, he, he woke up every day. The central piece of his life, the thing that he cherished more than anything else, was his sight because it had been given to him. He had he had known what it was like to be without it. And now every single day he cherished that thing that he had. It impacted every decision that he made every single day. It changed who he was, it impacted where he went. It impacted what he thought about. It impacted everything. And quite honestly, for us, that's what should be true of us about the gospel. It should change everything. Man, you, you want to know how central, you guys, come back into me over here. You guys want to know how central the gospel is to your life every single day. Just ask yourself the question, when was the last time that you were blown away that God gave you your sight? When was the last time that you were blown away that God forgave your sins, that God set you free? When was the last time that you just sat there and and you just couldn't get over the fact, God, I'm so undeserving of what you've done for me? When was the last day that you walked through where what Jesus did for you was on the forefront of your mind? It was the thing that mattered to you the most. How often does the gospel dictate the decisions that you make every single day? How often do you incorporate what Jesus has done for you into the parts of your life? Do you bring him into that relationship? Is he he the reason and the focus why you're on that sport team or why you're in the band or why you do that thing at school? When you think about your future, is Jesus the center of that? Are you constantly thinking, God, I have no idea what college looks like. I have no idea what that next step looks like. God, what do you want for the rest of my life? But God, I'm, I'm asking you to give me wisdom. I'm asking you to guide my steps. Or are we just a room full of people Who sing songs about how amazing this grace is that God has given us. And yet, most of the time, we don't give it a second thought. Man, if we could go back and be like that blind beggar on the side of the road. And we started living the way that he lived after Jesus gave him his sight. Where everything had changed. Every decision was now impacted by that. Every decision, every thought, everything had to do with the fact. That now we can see. I want to close with this verse. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Here's what the writer says. He says, therefore since we are surrounded. By such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that, that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And here it is. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. What Jesus is saying here is, there are people that are cheering us on, there are people that are watching us in our faith that we claim that we have. And we can't allow ourselves to get entangled and tripped up by the sin and by those temptations. How do we go about doing that? We keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on the one who gave us the sight to see in the first place. The gospel and what Jesus has done for us is now the vision with which we see the world. This is now the lens that we look at everything through. And the way that we live our life on a daily basis, every single moment as we get up and the decisions that we make in every part of our life, we get up with our eyes fixed, glued, locked into Jesus. And we say, God, I'm following you wherever you call me to follow you. God, I'm watching you. God, I'm not going to get distracted. in these other things that try to get in the way, God, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. God, I'm watching you. God, I want what you want. God, I desire what you want. You have given me the sight to see, and now I'm using those eyes to watch you and to follow you. And does that sound like, as these verses are talking about, a life that just once in a while thinks back to the cross and the gospel and what Jesus has done? No, that describes a life that says, I am transformed God has given me the, the sight to see, and now I am lockstep in with him. He is the purpose. He is the reason. He's everything that I think about. He's everything that I want, and I am locked in. I'm fixed on him. He is the champion. He is the one that has already run, won the race for us. He's the one that has already guaranteed our victory through his death on the cross. And now what he calls us to do every day, if we've been changed by who he is, to fix our eyes on him with the vision that he's given us to see in the first place. And you guys see how this impacts us every single day. I mean, when Jesus is the one who opens our eyes, he's the one that we allow to guide our steps If Jesus has given us the vision, if he's the one that has breathed life into us, if he's the one that has spit on our eyes and rubbed it with the clay and he's opened our eyes and now we can see from a spiritual standpoint. We are forgiven. We've been set free. We are no longer who we used to be. And now God lives in us and we fix our eyes on him. And we allow him to guide our steps and him to dictate our moves and him to live through us. God, we thank you for the students who are bold enough to say, I want to receive the forgiveness that you offer. I want to put my faith and trust in you as Savior. God, we thank you for their boldness. God, we pray and we believe that as they call out to you, that you open their eyes to see that you have forgiven them, that they are a new creation. God, I pray for the students and maybe leaders who are standing that have said, man, I've that's something that I don't think about very often. It's something that I feel like has no relevance to my life or I've taken for granted. God, I pray all of us would, would be in that mindset where we would say, God, this is what I want more than anything else. God, not to go through the motions, not just to play church, not to just to pretend that this matters to me, but to live every single day blown away that you would love me because I understand how screwed up I am. I know the junk that was in my life. I know how unworthy I am. And the fact that you have made me worthy. God, I'm asking that you, for for those of us who are standing, would say, God, would you breathe life into us? God, may this be everything that we're about. Not just something that we, we think about on Easter Sunday or at moments of our life, but God, that changes every single day the way that we live. God, I pray that you would do that for us and in us and through us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.